Alright, back again guys We are, we're back on the uh, CJ Falls podcast after being gone for a little bit What episode is it? What episode? 21 <laughs> No, I just you just put me on the spot? Welcome back uh, Yeah, it is episode, this will be Oh yeah, see you're gonna 19, ask me 19, 19, right, 19 well, I was hoping it was 21 The old 1-9 Two more than Devante We're on the brink of We're on the brink of cresting the 2-0 yeah, we really are. But and then soon we'll be, you know, we'll be eighteen. It knows to be eighteen. It knows to be nineteen. It's been, oh gosh. It's been a two week hiatus. We're so gonna like, yeah. So now our first podcast can officially join the military and there you go. Yeah. So it's officially an adult. Yeah, congratulations on that. Yeah. Uh yeah, so we're uh we're kinda back after being gone for, for two weeks. Uh we're gonna get into a little bit of uh, what transpired for those for you and I for those last two weeks in the next episode, but we're gonna get to our guest here pretty soon. But yeah. uh, so, how you been? You been doing pretty good. I've been doing good. I uh, been like preparing all the projects on my to do list for the spring warm weather. Mm-hmm. I really need gutters in my house because my house got wet again. You're saying it happened before too when we got those rains about two weeks ago. Yep. So it didn't happen again, but I've been like, how do oh, I make, make that sure, happen? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know. Like, you know, a little pre-preparation. Yep. Like, what do I need for that? You know, and just kind of doing some other things, um, you know, getting the basement ready to have the pottery studio. That's been a big thing. So just kind of like getting my to-do list and uh, executing that. Mm-hmm. Pretty, oh, that's good. Pretty, uh, keeps me busy. You know, I'm excited to have the garage back again and have that, you know, I'm sure like a lot of people where it's like in the winter, everything like you kind of suck in and everything like, you put the snowblower in the garage and you put every, you know, everything that you possibly need because like, who knows what you like, what's going to happen. Right. And you're like, I need them in the summer. You can kind of like expand a bit again and you can kind of right. relax and you can go to the shed and it's not a pain in the butt to get to the shed to get everything else out. So but it's that time of year though, where people refuse to shovel. Yep. Um, that's me for sure. And uh, snow, snow, snow plow or snow blow. Um, so a lot of those things that you're talking about, yeah, you're kind of gaining that garage space back again because you're not, you're just going to refuse to do anything that has revolve I'm around so winter. I'm so excited. We're back. Well, and we are in the spring now, officially. Yeah, officially. So I'm so excited because I'll park the cars in the on the grass again. The city will yell at me <laughs> after three months. It, the cycle continues. Um, so, but the whole point is then I can like, you know, put out the table saw and leave it in the garage and like actually do like have my, my shop back. Um, where in the winter it kind of it uh collapses but well, i mean eventually when tim my roommate moves out then it's uh oh. you're gonna have that whole place to yourself good yes for you. it's gonna be fantastic <clears throat> so that's mine it's yeah. really not exciting compared to what you always have going on but um no you know. no no you know, well in the, the the nice thing about winter i think a lot of us too is you know it's just this is what wisconsinites do you just kind of hibernate in the winter time 100 you know it's just too cold it's one of those deals where you go out when it's a necessity to get things it's also you know it's just not very conducive for a lot of different things. And then when the weather starts to get nice, people start coming out of their houses a little bit more. People are able to move around a little bit. We're seeing that here at the store. People are coming out and saying hi. It's nice to see people outside walking around a little bit. Um, just, you know, so it's definitely conducive. Like you say, it's conducive for you to get some projects done. We've got projects ourselves that we want to start working on. I think I told you we we live in the woods. To let our guests know a little backstory, we live in the woods. So our, 
we don't get the direct sunlight quite as well. So our driveway was, uh, after we had that rainstorm about what, three weeks ago, three weeks to a yeah, month ago. It seems like forever ago. Yeah. Everything turned to ice. So we literally could have ice skated from our home down to the, uh, county highway that we live off of. But, and then we got really nice weather. As everybody knows, we got nice weather and it all kind of dissipated. And then today we had the wonderful, uh, do you have any outside projects planned? Yeah, we're going to try to put a garden in this year. Oh, mm-hmm. we definitely scrapped that for gutters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was like, that money can go to gutters. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I but, got a green thumb a little bit. Yeah. Is Amy? She's actually she's actually better than I am at it, at it. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know what? We, we used to live on a farm. Yeah. And we, we did pumpkins and corn, and we did a bunch of other stuff. So I kind of learned how to how to cultivate and grow stuff and... Yeah, it was, it's, it's Farmer fun. Farmer Craig. Well, you know, it, I think a lot of it, it seems to be, maybe this has been around for a long time, but it seems to me like people are really kind of into this where you don't, you don't you don't have to live in the country. You can live in the city, have some of these little, these little pop-up gardens, these little elevated garden boxes, and people can kind of do their own thing to grow their own food and have fresh fresh vegetables on their on their menu. I think, uh, I know that we enjoy doing that. Yeah. And um, I think the big challenge for us living where we are is to, to build some fencing high enough that we don't get the... Uh, the deer in there to scarf everything down on us, but just have Dylan sit out there and just scare him away. <laughs> yeah. Booga booga booga. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. How was uh? You had the Burfer was at a, a veterans. How am I gonna? I'm gonna butcher. Yeah, this. veterans expo. Expo. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's a hard word for me to remember. Yeah, yeah, we did. So they uh the um small See, business development center yeah. out of the that works uh, out of the University of Stevens Point uh, put together a veteran um, owned business expo down at Artisan and Fair and Plover for all the veteran businesses. Um, and we uh, we normally meet once a month, but the idea was to have an expo to get the community to come out and uh, to engage with veteran-owned businesses. So we chose to uh, burfer, uh, again, to let our guests know, we we have another little company that we make uh, leather, bison leather mittens and gloves and um, mostly insulated, but we do some non-insulated stuff too. And it's a small little company that's starting to grow a little bit. So we... Um, we showcased that and we did really well. We had a lot of really great feedback. We actually had some feedback that was duly noted as far as maybe some subtle changes to things in the future. Sure. Um, we were like one of the only, um, we were like one of the only ones to actually sell product there, which was kind of cool, but we did. And we, we did really well. I mean, okay. for, yeah. for only being there for, I think we were there for like five, five hours. Right. Um, we didn't sell out, but we sold qu- through quite a few of our gloves and mittens. Best sellers, right. Yeah. And, well, um, yeah. I knew the way I ask is I know that we, when we were talking last, I think when I was traveling or about to travel, Amy was working on some other stuff for that mm-hmm. expo, you know, so she has a green thumb and she's, yeah, she's you know, doing these candles and wax right. and soy wax melts and stuff kind of going along with birth first stuff. Uh, the funny thing is, is that I don't know if you, we had some upstairs. Um, I got to do a better job of putting them out there for sale, but they come in these little containers, these little... Um, That's exactly what I wanted to know. Pla- yeah, so, yeah, they so come in these little plastic this. bags. So the, the wax melts back in the day when you would get wax melts for your wax... Burner. Burner, or, whatever yeah, you want to call, call it. They used to come in little uh, little square... Yes. Square things. You would just snap off a yep. square, put it in your melt. It would melt away. The new the new thing now is the the, the soy wax is, is real pliable. It's real soft. So you just squeeze it out. You squeeze it out of this thing. You squeeze it into the the melt melting pot. Um, the, the, and the nice thing about that is is that it doesn't harden. So you can when when the smell goes out and this these actually smell quite a long time, you just can wipe it out and put uh, some fresh stuff in there. Anyway, so this is like the new thing. 
she Amy didn't develop this, but sure. she's kind of on board with the new way of doing this. And she actually sold quite a few of those uh, there as well. So she made all these. She worked really hard and made all these different right. smells and scents. And she's got really good. I think the smells that she has, the scents. I think the I think smells doesn't sound right. The scents. You have to have her on here. Yeah, you'll have to have her on here. But the scents are very uh, rustic and um, kind of like that quintessential. You know, like our, obviously we our bison is our right. logo. It's got you know very western type bison of hooves. Name. And bison tail. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't bite. No, no, no. That <laughs> smells like bison Sorry, tail. Sorry, Amy, that was an offensive. That was yeah. just... <laughs> but so, no, so it was great exposure for her. She, it was proud of her. She worked really hard um, to get it all ready to go for the yeah. show and got some good exposure, too. And It was really cool seeing. I think when you sent yeah. me the photo. Yeah. You know, I sent you a photo of the truck I was driving, yeah. and you sent me a photo <laughs> of Burfer gloves. Yeah. But I saw what was really cool was I saw those on the table. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what is that? And then I went. Well, it's funny you say that. So I, I, mean, I don't want to prolong. Uh, we had a great guest tonight. I don't want to prolong too far. But we actually had people walk up and they're like, oh, so is that the conditioner that you squirt on the gloves? <laughs> <laughs> people thought it was for like the leather conditioner. Yeah. Um, so we had a correct. It was a good laugh. No, you we just fry up a gallon of bacon and you just slap her on, smush her on, put a little bacon on the bison leather. But yeah, so no, it was, it was great exposure. It was a great time. It was great, great. It was great to see other veteran-owned businesses uh, that are doing great things for the community that I think a lot of people don't even realize right. have some of these businesses. Um, and there's a good camaraderie too. Um, and there was other, um, like the Portage County um, Veteran Center was there. Uh, the state, uh, there was a bunch of other organizations throughout the state that were there as well. So if you were a veteran that came to this and uh, maybe needed some help with other things in your life that you were due, there was organizations there to help you with some of those things. So it wasn't just, you know, uh, businesses that were selling or had, um, that were providing different services. It was actually like veteran organizations that were there to help veterans. So we, there was a lot of veterans walking around as well. So it was, it was a great thing. Uh, again, and that's what we're going to get into tonight with our guests is it's another, another great service that's being provided to our community. Right. Um, and, and, you know, like you and I have talked about Jared, like that's, that's the podcast. Yes, we, we're an outdoor store, we're an outdoor brand, but it's about community and some of the things that different organizations bring to the community and the, and the, the veterans expo was a, was a great thing. I think, I think it sounds like that's going to be an annual event and hopefully it continues to grow and we'll get more veteran owned businesses throughout central Wisconsin and North central Wisconsin that will join that and come down there and then you know the word will get out where people will want to come and, and just check out right you know who's doing what in the community well it's cool to see like that stuff returning and i guess was this the first annual this is the first one yeah right you know like we're the only ones in the state uh, not to oh really out, yeah so okay. there's this is like the first one in the state to get really yeah jump started so hopefully this it just continues right. to build well especially with covid i mean everything like stopped so it's good to see you know even organizations that may have not weathered that or you know we're founded in it have now the first example of like hey this is who we are this is how we gather and this is like yeah and i really like that you like you're like it's not just people selling stuff it's like you know it's a confluence of people who might need other services but you know it's like it's also really inspiring too i'm sure for some people where they're like this is what like what other people are doing and it can be like oh you you know like hey you know sometimes things things are look dark and bleak but Right. There's a lot of positive things right. that you can do on the outset of getting yeah. through some of that hard, those hard times. I'll share one. I'll share a real quick story. Uh, so I, when we were there, I had, um, uh, I don't remember this gentleman's name and I wouldn't mention it on this, but he came up to me and um, he started striking up a conversation with me. So I kind of walked over to the side and we started talking and he said, you know, that he had uh, seen quite a bit of combat and um, 
when he separated from the military, he really separated himself from the veteran community. Like he just, he didn't want to talk about anything. He didn't, um, he just, he just didn't want to have anything to do with it, you know? And his, his wife said, Hey, I, I saw that they're doing this veterans expo. Just, you need to just go, just go and see if you can just talk to some people, like not necessarily like about his experiences, but just like surround yeah. yourself with some of those like-minded people. And so we went off to the side and we had a conversation and uh, you could tell that he was um, a little apprehensive at first to kind of open up to me. And then when he realized that we had some common things, he was very open to talk to me about a few things. And you could, it, it was almost like you could see like he just felt comfortable. Right. And I don't think that he's felt comfortable in some time having a conversation um, with, with another person about some of his experiences. And I know he didn't, he didn't stick around very long. Um, but I, I could tell that it, it, for the little bit of time that he was there having that conversation with me, and I, I think he did talk to a few other people, um, he felt a connection that maybe he hadn't felt in a long time. So that was a great experience for somebody to come to that event that we were trying to highlight businesses, right? And there, like I said, there was other organizations there. But it opened, it was, an, it was an opportunity where there was an open door for somebody that maybe has had things pent up inside for a long time who hasn't felt a connection. Because again, you're not, you know, you're living in Wisconsin, you know, there, sometimes it's hard to make that connection. Sure. It was an opportunity for this individual to come to be around like-minded individuals. So that could have been a great experience. For, I think it was, but it could have been a great experience. So there again, it was, it wasn't just about the business. It was about connecting and that that's, that's important. Well, I think it never is. I think that's especially like what we talk about with, with fall line and everything else, like, you know, other businesses or other people we bring in, it's never just about like making gobs and gobs and gobs of money because that's, it's obviously, you know, that's not the MO or that's never something a principle we've been founded upon or, you know, we are, we're not one of those companies that are there, right? They're, you know, we're not the Amazons and we're just like going to space, you know, like there's other things that we can give back to the community and, 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 to enrich other people's lives. So I think that's really cool. Um, it's cool to have a like, story like that too. And I'm sure that, you know, that, that few, that one moment probably put it, that guy a positive position for a long time. Yeah. And hopefully that's a, um, a conduit for him to feel comfortable to connect with some other in- individuals, you know, and um, it helps to know, mm-hmm. like we kind of talk about like, you know, you, it, it's something that happened, right. You know, it's a chapter of your life but sometimes it's hard to kind of talk or just like to, to just reconcile some of those chapters. So it's nice to have, be around people who are not going to really judge you or kind of, you don't have to like put on airs Right, you just can be, just right. be you. And yeah, we talk about that a lot in the veteran community. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole too far, but what, what I will say uh, as a vet is that uh, you're absolutely right. You know, um, when you have experienced things in your life and this doesn't just hold for veterans, this could be for anybody you have traumatic, traumatic experiences in your life. Sometimes what you do is you put those in a box right. and you put that box on the shelf inside your brain or inside your mind. And you don't, sometimes you really don't want to open that box again, but sometimes it's good to, to, to grab it off the shelf every once in a while when you feel comfortable enough to do that and to open that box back up again and to share those experiences and not necessarily to relive the traumatic experience over again, but it's a way to uh, I don't want to use the word feel better about the experience, but it, it just maybe puts a little more things at peace, right. so to speak. You're making some new wires in your brain, right? You know, if it was this box of traumatic, cr- you know, crap or, you know, what, maybe it's not all, but or experiences like, or whatever experience. Yeah. Right. And right. then now here you can kind of like, you know, you can try to gleam some, some things out of it. You know, obviously just, you just cause it was the dark day. doesn't mean like all that experience has to be 
you know, that forever in your brain. You can right. try to redefine that and try to pull something out of it. And maybe that defined you in some ways that you never under anticipated. I was just thinking about that. I mean, I'm just not even going to this example, but I thought about that recently and something was like, I was making a choice to actively not do something to make my life, you know, not end up this way. But then the whole fear of like worrying about that, I didn't have that happen, but then I made whole other issues of problems, right? And like downstream issues. So I totally get it where it's like, you know, sometimes you just need to reconcile. And once you start engaging with that again, you're like, oh, oops. Or like, and I can make some adjustments. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So last thing, quick rapid fire. Yeah. What is that? What else happened at the shop? Yeah. We'll, 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 I'll just say we'll leave a little bit more for that for the next episode. Okay. When we talk about what you've been up to and what I've been up to, we'll get a little more into yes. the shop update. I think we'll just okay. use the Burfer experience as kind of like the update so we can get to our guests because I think we're kind of on a, a somewhat similar path of what we'll get into, I think, a little bit. Okay. Um, but things have been great okay. uh, at the shop. And with the weather getting better, things at the shop have been getting better, and we appreciate that. And what we'll get into next episode is the fly fishing side of things, of how that's kind of been picking up as well too. So. Yeah. I like it. Good things. Good things are happening. Good things are happening. All right. Craig, ready for this? Yes, sir. All right. So our guest today is Sandy Couch, right? Couch. Couch. Okay. And your, how I, like, let's start with this. I was connected to Sandy through one of my, so my realtor back in the day, Jean, she, she, you know, we, we touch base and I really like Jean, put it that way, because we, we touch base and we kind of keep in, you know, letting each other know what's going on in each other's lives. I refer people to her once in a while, you know, she checks in with me. It was just really like positive experience when I worked with, with her. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I really, it was more than just this. The sale. And yes. That and that, that's a good way to put it. It's more than just like, I, I worked with a couple of realtors leading up to that. And it was like bad experience, bad experience. And then when you have a good experience, you're like, holy cow, right, I'll hop on onto this that. raft. Yep. yep. So that's kind of how it was. And it kind of reminded me of, and we, we kind of connected in a way that I was like, okay, kind of like, you know, like a grandparent where it's like, there's someone who's like advising you and giving you good advice, like sage advice. That's not just like, I'm lining my pocket, right? You know, it was kind of looking out good for a genuine your, person. Right. Yeah. You right. know, called me after the house was, I made the house and she's like, make sure you're clearing the vent of your water, he, you know, water heater. And I was like, I you know, she's like, most people don't know, you know? And so stuff like that, that extends upon, and we can draw some parallels with fall line in that way. So, you know, we were taught, we were catching up and, you know, Jean was telling me all about, you know, what Sandy was doing in her organization. We'll let her say that. Cause I could, I probably won't do it justice. And she was like, you know, and I said, well, I have, we have this podcast we started and this was probably about a month right around January and beginning of January. And I was like, we have this podcast. We'd love to highlight people. And that maybe is a wonderful person to highlight, to help share your message and, you know, to let people know what's going on in their community. Yeah. So that was my rambling of how we, how I met Sandy and this is the first time I've met her, but I would love Sandy you to tell what your organization is. Okay. So we are the uh, Marathon County Community Outreach Task Force. Um, However, we do service outside of Marathon County and we started out as a group of citizens who just were concerned about the unhoused and the vulnerable populations in our community. So we got together and started collecting donations and handing out donations and food and 
just helping people along the way, and it grew um, rapidly. Um, and I, I'll go back to just how it really started. Um, I actually did this on my own for quite a while. I would find a need. I'd put it out on Facebook. I have very generous friends. They would fulfill it. I would deliver it. And I did that for years. And then when our city ordinance came to the city council of kicking out uh, the unhoused from the parking ramp during the wintertime, where they were staying warm, um, I started getting a lot of donations that I could not handle myself. So I gathered five friends. We went and did just a a one-day kind of handing things out. And my friend said, this is an awesome feeling. And now I know why you do it. So we, I suggested starting a Facebook group with the intent that it would be the six of us. One member of that six put it on his personal page, and we had 70 people that night sign wow. up for this group. And then, and that was like in October, November. By January, we had 500, and now we have over 1,200. That was 2019 when it started? Yes, okay. 2019, yeah. So it... it Started by accident in in a way that it grew. Um, And then when we became more organized, we started discussing about becoming a nonprofit. And because we we were getting bigger donations, so the tax write-off for our donors is important. Sure. And so we became a nonprofit, and we just keep expanding our programming. Um, Gene, as a matter of fact, had donated a bus to us a big motor coach bus that we uh, named the Marty bus. And we do our outreach out of that bus. Um, Our mayor in Wausau had provided us a parking spot in one of the city lots. And twice a week we do outreach from there. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty incredible growth experience. It kind of happened by accident. Right. And I think it happened by having a big heart. Yeah. Yeah, It really did, Sandy. And I, First off, I commend you for having that heart and taking concern for your own citizens in your own city because you care about your city, obviously, as right. much as you I do. Very much so. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then it's great then to hear that you get all the support from you know your circle of close circle of friends, and yes. then that just continued to grow, grow, and grow. Um, it, it must make you very proud of your community for all these folks to want to help out. It does. It makes me very proud of, and I've met incredible people along the way that I would have never met if we did not do this. And I I was amazed at the generosity of so many people who wanted to help all along, but just didn't know how. So, yeah. Is that a thing you get a lot? Right. I mean, I think that's some being on that end of the side is like, that's like, I know how to, how do I help? Right. And so there's a lot of always people being like, Hey, this is a great organization that, you know, it actually, every dollar that you would go, you know, actually gets to people because I think there's always that fear with how many, how often do you do something where 40 to 60% of it is going to get, you know, shoveled over somewhere else in administrative fees. And it's like, well, Ooh, I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah. We actually right now are all volunteers and that may change in the future as we get bigger, you know, we we need to, um, got to be sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have families to feed, but, um, yeah, we're all volunteers right now, 
And so 100% that comes into our organization goes out to the people. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. That's fantastic. And you're 100% right, Jared. I think people sometimes, there's a ton of people that want to help, but they want to know that their dollar is making a direct impact or whatever they're donating is making a direct impact. Where some of these bigger organizations, you hear stories of sometimes you're right, where that money doesn't necessarily go to that direct impact. So it sounds like this is, especially if people are in the same community and they're they're giving those donations and they're seeing that impact, it's, they're seeing it directly work. Yes. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. Yes. And, you know, we, so mm-hmm. we're looking at opening up a community center. We do have a building um, that is in great, great need of repair um, from top to bottom. But when we brought that up to our, our donors and our volunteers that we have this building, um, so many of them have already signed up to volunteer at the building when it's ready. Um, and so many of our volunteers will say things to me like, you know, I, this is a purpose that I've been looking for. So, um, you know, right now our um, director of the outreach in our transitional house has said that to me many times. Like, this is something I've always wanted to do, but I didn't know how to approach it and how to do it. And this has kind of turned into her mission as well. Right. So it's pretty cool. Can you, can you, so for the folks that are listening, can you kind of go into um, what qualifies, uh, and maybe that's the wrong terminology, but what, what, what kind of people are we, we talking about that are helping? So we're most known for helping the unhoused because we do that weekly. Okay. Um, multiple times a week. That's what we're most known for. Um, But we also help low-income, elderly, and disabled, and vulnerable families. In fact, today my project was um, we get donors of Easter baskets, and we match it with families that need Easter baskets. And so what's really cool is that we have these information sheets. So each Easter basket is custom-made for Mm. that child. Right. So it's really cool. I, I love doing that. Um, and last year when we did it, we found that a lot of grandparents are raising grandkids. Okay. And it's caused a big stress financially. So we had a, a lot of very grateful grandparents and parents who got some really cool Easter baskets. So our donors go way out for wow. that. So, so we do that. Um, and then we have two um, HUD housing units that we kind of focus on. So we do Christmas for them. Um, We've had people who have told us they've not received a gift in decades. And so we got Santa this year for uh, one of our housing units. We hired Santa and, oh, actually didn't hire. He donated his time. Well, he came down for the North Pole. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. So, and he handed out the gifts and sang songs and, just the joy of that was so overwhelming. I mean, so overwhelming. So, um, and we'll find too that in that building we've had people that were placed in the in an apartment. It's independent living, but they have no furniture. They have no dishes. They have no food. They're placed in an empty apartment, and so we have a contact there that when that happens, she lets us know and. And within a day, we have all the stuff that they Put need furnished. Yeah, so that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So how has how much is, you said 
I kind of want to touch on a point you, I think you kind of touched on. How has it grown? You, know, you said it went on people's Facebook and like, how has it grown from its infancy to like how large it is now? And maybe you, I think you touched on it, but I kind of want to, I need to reframe it in my head because I want to just like imagine, I want to see this growth in my brain. So oh, we just had people sign up. So we have a private um, group, a discussion group, we call it. And that's where our members kind of go to find out what's needed. And then we've got a public page. And, you know, I, 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 of our, my board of directors that um, formed over the, the last two years are so patient with me because I come, hey, I got this great idea. I got this idea for another program. And, you know, they, they keep me from floating too high with that. But, but, you know, we just, we figure out what we can swing and then we, then we do it. So we add programs every year. Wow. Do you add a lot of like members of people? Like, do you have like a standing member list? Like, like it's kind of grown. Yeah, we, I mean, we've in our personal group, that's kind of the sure. donor, that's our donor pool. And so what we do, we just go on there and say, Hey, does someone have a truck that we need this weekend to help somebody move or to move furniture? Um, and then people volunteer. So we have regular volunteers sure. and then we have those situational volunteers, but we, Every time we're on the news or on something like this, our donor pool increases. Sure. So we get a lot sure. of people that'll join. Absolutely. Cool. So do do you so the average people, so that when I say average people, I'm saying people that you know are having jobs, they're able to afford their own homes. Um, you know, the kids are going to school. Do you think that the 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 community realizes the need? I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking about that you have the donors and, and the donor pool has grown quite a bit. So there's and there's people that have huge hearts that want to help out. But, you know, like I don't think the word gets out enough that there is really a need in this in this area. And when I say this area, obviously, we're, we're talking you're from the Wausau right, Marathon right. County area. We're obviously down in Portage County, but obviously, we know that the probably need down here is just as yes. big. How how are you able to get the word out other than just this Facebook group like I guess what I'm trying to get yeah. at is like, I don't think enough people realize that there there is a need for this. Yeah, you know, we, we do come across that a lot. You know, we've never heard of you, or I'll hear I heard of that group, but I didn't quite know what the name was. Um, we do we are working on a website to make us sure. ourselves more known. Sure, um, we've reached that point that we have no choice. Um, but mostly it's word of mouth. We work with other agencies, um, so we collaborate a lot with other agencies. So we get a lot of referrals from them. We refer back to the agencies when we see a need. And so it's just basically kind of grown word of mouth. Word of mouth, and which is the best way yeah. to grow it. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, interviews, news reports, yeah. that kind of thing. So do you guys get a lot of support from like, like governmental organizations in your area? We, you know, outside of, of the agencies, no. Okay. Yeah, we okay. don't. Dang. So no, no so. state fund. There's like no state because you're not necessary. Because you guys are you a nonprofit? You, we are a nonprofit. nonprofit. So now that you are a nonprofit, does that qualify you for some maybe some state aid or yes. some? Okay. Well, for grants and grants. things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Pull, so yeah. we yeah. will be doing a lot of that. Um, we approached uh, some foundations to help us with this community center. Um, the center is. We found in the winter. Um, we do have one agency. At, let me take that back. We have several agencies that have uh, shelters, but we do have 
sometimes they're maxed out and sometimes people get kicked out for behavior. Um, we have a lot of people with mental illness that are on the streets um, that and with addictions and so they don't quite fit into that shelter uh, model. And so we found that during the day, they have no place to go because the shelters close in the morning and they reopen at night. And so all day, they're out in the cold. And so they're trying to find places to be warm. And that causes its own problems for businesses and and things. So this day center will be a place that they can go for the entirety of the day from when the shelter closes to whenever he opens. So it's a day. Sh- okay. I, Cause I, Jean kind of mentioned it and I didn't, so it's a, is that the focus and it's not like a night shelter or is it both? It'll just be a day shelter for now. Okay. Um, we do have another program that we are trying to get support for and that would be a tiny home village okay. and that would be permanent temporary housing in that each person would get their own house and it would be theirs from until they're ready to move on to independent living. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that done in the veteran community. They, they have some, they call it exactly that the yeah. tiny house community. It's really cool. And it's a great way to try to get, and I'm just speaking on the veteran side of things where they try to get veterans who don't have jobs, maybe have addiction issues or have had yes. addiction issues um, or whatever the case may be. And they kind of put them among, uh, they, they try to put them with other veterans yes. to kind of help each other a little bit to get through some of those rougher stages in their life to get them back on their feet. Once they're able to get back on their feet, then they're, then they would leave that right. tiny village or right. tiny home village. Uh, so I, I've seen that been proven to work. Yes, it, it has worked across the country. Um, and our focus was Occupy Madison and they have now three villages. Oh, wow. Um, and they have, because it's a community, they the three villages have kind of separated themselves with certain populations. So there's the older population, and there's a younger population. And because it is a community, it's it's fenced off, and they self-govern in um, Madison, uh, the residents do. So that is kind of, you know, we went down there. In fact, Jean went down there, took sure. a lot of pictures for us who couldn't go, and... Um, we are trying very, very hard to work with the city to get a lot that the neighborhoods are comfortable with and to build our first tiny home village. We'll need several, um, you know, and vets are one population that we are concerned about because they do have a different need structure than some of our guys do. Um, but we do have a, we have a group of long chronically this uh, chronically um, homeless in our community that just our our programming isn't working for them yeah. and I think that this tiny home village is the key is the key yeah okay now yeah. let's so what are some of the so everything sounds to this point in the conversation sounds really good I mean as far as positivity and everything and the the what you I mean if I'm understanding this right you you started this like you yeah Sandy's the one who started. I'm this, the last founding member, which yeah. is, again, phenomenal. What are what are some of the challenges that you that you have run into? So obviously everything sounds really good, but what are some of the challenges that you could highlight for us so that we understand that, that some of the struggles that the volunteers and in, in, in yourself included in this, 
run into with trying to help folks? Yeah, so we, I mean, we do have, we try to spread things out so that we're not having burnout. Burnout is our biggest challenge, uh, working with the population that we do, because we do work with the chronically homeless, and most of them have some serious addictions and trauma. And you had mentioned trauma with vets, Mm -hmm. and that is what we find with most of our chronic um, addicts is it's all trauma-based. Um, and so getting them the mental health that they need, getting them programming that they need, um, rehab that fits their needs beyond the addiction, that also goes to the trauma. Because if you don't fix where the root is, right, it, you can go into rehab as many times as you want. Right, right. Um, you get mm-hmm. re-traumatized on the streets, you're back to being an addict. So we we have found um, people that have just become homeless. We've watched them go down that rabbit hole of addiction. Yeah, and they didn't have that issue initially, and then once you're stuck in that addiction on the streets, you can't get clean on the streets. Sure. And right. so it's very difficult with some of our community members for them to understand that that this isn't a matter of get clean, get a job, and then you won't be homeless anymore. It doesn't work that way. And in Wausau, I don't know if Point has as big of a problem as we do with affordable housing. And we have people who have money and jobs and are still living in their cars because they had an eviction on their record or they had a, an, a felony on their record. And landlords are now being very picky about who they right. rent to. So we get... Very frustrated with that. Um, the last count, with the, there's an organization that does a homeless count, and it's very deceiving. So this last count said zero, and that is not <laughs> representative of no. what we have. Um, we find more and more and more new people um, weekly, and that's very frustrating. Um, I got I wasn't at outreach today, but I got a message that uh, we had a lady that was uh, pregnant and homeless. And that the, the, the stress that puts on us going yeah. to bed in our warm homes, knowing right. that these people are, are out there. Right. Yeah. So, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's very difficult. Um, but just it, think about it. If you guys weren't doing this, you know, I think yeah. that's the key is that, Good people like yourself and all the volunteers and the folks that want to help out, if these folks are not willing to step up, to the, I say step up to the plate or step up to help out, how worse off would some of these people be yeah. if it wasn't for you and for the other folks that are doing yeah, this? Yeah, for the other agencies, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and we have some really caring agencies in town um, that just are so overloaded with all that they do. And, and again, too, just the burnout of this. Yeah. Um, you know, some of our clients, because of their addiction and their mental illness, sometimes aren't very nice to us either. Sure. Um, and and it, when you're in the moment, it's hard to see through that, you know, but once we kind of debrief after an incident, then, you know, it's, we can see where it came from, right. you know, and so it, sometimes they're just not the easiest people to um, communicate with on a bad day. But, 
Um, I think the most frustrating for thing for me now uh, with our center and wanting a tiny home village, because in my mind, I know this is the key to solving a lot of the issues that we have with homelessness, but trying to convince neighborhoods to embrace this sure. is very difficult. Sure, There's stereotypes and stigmas that come with being homeless mm-hmm. that um, aren't fair. And if they would um, just kind of take a step back and see that we're all at risk yeah. of being homeless, a serious Absolutely. illness, an accident. Um, so that's difficult right. when, you know, we're in a neighborhood meeting getting yelled at and, um, you know, and you just watch that. So one person will set off another person, set off another person, and right. it's very difficult. Right, so. right. It's a very one-to-many type of meeting. Yeah, <laughs> you're the one group, and then there's many people, and yeah, yeah, I can I can understand that. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I'm a homeowner, and and I'm a single lady that you know um, I don't live alone anymore. My youngest son moved back with me, but you know, I understand wanting to have a safe neighborhood to live in, but I also would. More be more than happy to have a tiny home village of this nature in my neighborhood um, because I know that you're making your community the, the, stronger. The, yeah, you really yeah, are. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, right. and I think sometimes people forget that care and compassion can go a long way. Yeah, when you talk about like uh, Santa Santa coming to visit, you know, like and and people saying like I haven't received a gift, that small act of kindness goes a long way. Right, where somebody may be down their luck for a long, long time, and all of a sudden it's like. While Sandy actually cares about me, somebody yeah. actually truly cares about me. That's, that may sound very minute, but I can tell you that there are people that all they need is just a little bit of care and compassion, and that can maybe pull them out of a deep, of a really dark time. Yes, right. Yes, for sure. Most recently, we we have a transitional house that we have, um, and the two young gentlemen that are in there now um, have just done amazing. I mean, it it it. To watch them go from when we interviewed them and just getting two good nights sleep, they changed so much. Sure. And, um, you know, with their age and we caught them before the addiction set in, um, they're, they're doing phenomenal. And I know that they'll go on and be independent livers. So, sure. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> like, through college, I did a whole year living out of my vehicle um, just to, and it was, it was really a choice, but it was like at some point in time, I was like, I'm, I need to stop spending all this money, but I also need to get this dang degree. Um, so I lived out of my car for a whole year and I know a lot of my friends have done that um, for different, you know, different experiences. And it is so wildly different. Like you, your brain starts to like function differently when you're like living out of a car or, you know, you don't like you're eating canned food continuously um, because I would just like pull out my Swiss army knife and like open a can of beans and that would be dinner. Um, so like, it's crazy. I kind of like, I understand yeah. some of those like weird, you know, and you don't have any furniture and you just like, it, it does, I can't even you like, don't feel normal. You don't, yeah, yeah. We don't even know what normal is anymore. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Like you just kind of lose your bearing for some of these things and you just like, you know, like I remember sitting, like <laughs> she's like sitting in her car, like don't move, like don't let anyone see you because it's going to be a bigger issue. Like if you're caught in this parking lot, then like, you know, if you're not, you know, and you know, and I had it like easy. I could go to like the class during the day and like sit in the library and all this stuff. But you know, it's like 
you just think differently. So yes. I, yeah, I can kind of, it's like li- interesting, like listening to this whole conversation, like unfold. It's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I never considered myself homeless, but about a decade ago I had to escape a marriage and I uh, stayed at a hotel, which is frequented by people that just lost housing. And I was there for two months and it was, it, it was an experience and it, and it really changed my perspective on, on things um, in the world. Yeah, for sure. And just to give an example of how in that decade, when I lived there for those two months, it was $500 a month and, you know, you got breakfast and free Wi-Fi, and it was a good place for me to reset and now it's a thousand dollars a month. Oh wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So that's so. where all those like like <clears throat> where the donations and stuff like that come in, where we can people can make a difference to help somebody out to get a uh, a roof over their head and a, and a warm meal possibly, yes. and then you know the you know unfortunately it's a society we live in, but everything you know it correlates off the internet, but be able to to, to put together some kind of. Uh, job application and put together a resume or, you know, whatever, right. whatever tools the individual is going to need to hopefully get them on the right track to be successful. Those are just all the things that we, we just need to live with this day and age. Right. Yes. And yes. those are, and then I'm guessing like with this, you know, the building you guys are trying to do this day center, like I'm guessing you're going to try to add in a lot of yes. these like structural elements being like, Hey, we're trying to change some of the structural elements what we have currently into like making some changes and hopefully that's going to have ripple effects and actually, for some people, right? Because there's not a one size fits all method. The same way there's not a one size fits right. all pair of pants. Um, if there was, I would be a lot happier. Um, <laughs> you know, so something like that, you know, if there's this ability to do that, so you need to have, you know, different strokes for different folks, I guess. Right, right. And, you know, our initial vision for this building was a community center to have, you know, just open it up to the whole community, including the unhoused. Um, but, that's when we were on track to have the tiny home village. So we thought, you know, that most of our clients would be housed and then this could be a service place for them. But with that being delayed, we've now had to kind of refocus. Our main mission for this building is to have that day center place for them to go, but the programming will be there. It'll be trauma-informed programming. It'll be, we'll have computers for them to not only apply for jobs and education, but also to reconnect with their families. Mm-hmm. And so we have a kitchen. And so we had talked about two having, you know, a monthly meal where they can invite families and friends that they have been estranged from and start to try to build a support system foundation for them. It's huge. So, yeah. The support yeah. system. Um, are you noticing? Um, so some of the, some of the, the folks that we're talking about, are we getting new folks coming to the area? I was so, I, you know, I hate, Jared and I talk about the pandemic. I think a lot of folks are trying to get past this a little bit, but has that brought an influx of folks um, that need help? And are they some people new to the area? I, you know, we don't see a lot of people that are that have migrated to the area. Okay. We see a lot of people that lost their housing. Okay. So, okay. Um, you know, we've had a lot of evictions when um, the pandemic funding and stuff ended. Um, a lot of landlords then evicted. We did have a building that did provide a lot of low-income housing, close a lot of their apartments off for remodeling, and there's just no place to put them. Yeah. 
Well, so. I think it's super interesting. You guys were kind of talking about um, a few minutes ago is like, I was thinking of, you are an organization that's founded in Marathon County, Wausau area, right? When you think about a lot of like federal aid or that sometimes goes towards some of these things, it's kind of a, there's like that one size fits all solution. And it's like, here's yeah. this idea, build it. It's going to be great. And then it never like, there's never any like follow through and there's never any like, or here's the money. Yeah. Here's yeah. the money. Here's, there's yeah. no support. And I, so I think there's a lot of like stigma when it comes to, you know, there's, that's just going to happen. And then it's going to get built and it's never going to get maintained and it's never going to get like, right. right. It's just going to become a slum. I think, I think that's yeah. for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, that's what I think everyone, there's, there's the apprehension with neighborhoods and hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Right. right. And like, you know, we all own a home. I can definitely, you're like, Oh, you definitely think like when you're looking at homes, like what is this, you know, how is this done? But with you being an organization that's have its roots in that area, I feel like there's a lot less, you know, that stigma hopefully can be broken because it's like, I live here too, right? I'm not going to just like get federal funding and then just push it over there and be like, well, those guys are great now. You know, it's like, I, this is my community. Right. And I think you kind of mentioned that Craig. So I, I think I can definitely get where you're coming from kind of talking to some of these neighborhoods, but else it's like, you know, we're, we're a, we live here. We're not going to like give up on it because what's, what's going to happen. I mean, that, you know, this is, right. this is going to be maintained. We're doing that risk mitigation plan. You know, we're, we're thinking of these contingencies that are, that are local and, you know, are geographically bound, not this, here's a bunch of money, build a building and that's going to solve everything. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in the research that I did with the tiny home villages across the country, the ones that had a supportive system in place, that it wasn't just, here's your house and walk away, they were very successful. And a lot of them in the 60 percentile rate of them moving on within a year so what to are, independent right. living. What are some of the bigger cities kind of, you know, doing this kind of day center approach like a, a, or a different way than what our conventional approach was, maybe the tiny home village? You talking about in Wisconsin? Or well, across the country. Across the country. I mean, I think every major city, I, you know, I became very interested in the housing first initiative um, when I watched a TED talk on Utah and Utah had a big addiction homelessness issue and so what they did is they did a pilot program and they placed the most chronic addicted mentally ill population in there they wanted to take the hardest population to work with to make it successful then for everybody. If you take the right. easiest population right. to make it successful, it doesn't necessarily work for the hardest. And they just found that a lot of the people that had addiction issues and mental illness issues, I mean, it wasn't quickly resolved, but it was more easily resolved because they were getting sleep. And that's one thing 100%. that people don't think yeah. about, you know, with the homeless that. because they, they think they're lazy, oh, they're sleeping all, all day on the bench. They're sleeping all day on the bench because a lot of them at night fear for their lives, so they stay awake. I know a lot of our women that are on the streets um, will not sleep at night. And then during the day, they're getting woken up mm-hmm. to move, mm-hmm. you know, as um, by law enforcement or business owners or um, you know, even being called names and that kind of thing. So 
the, the lack of sleep, it's not a, we get a bad night's sleep. It takes us a couple days. It's chronic for them. They never get a good night's sleep. So even sleeping in, in a shelter, and we've got, again, uh, Catholic Charities has uh, the warming shelter in, in our community, and they do an incredible job, and they try to service as many as they can and make them as comfortable as they can and as COVID safe as they can. Um, but still, you, it's hard to sleep in a room of 20 people that snore and roll over and are restless. And right. sure. know, it's, a, it's a lot of noise. Right. And it's, it's, it's a cot most of the time in shelters. So, you know, they found that with just sleep and then the supportive services come in. And so, um, but Utah was the first one with the Housing First Initiative, and that's what we stand by as our organization, that you can't get clean on your own on the streets, that you need to be housed first and then get clean. And a lot of people don't understand that. Um, but we've found, you know, California, of course, is having all, having all the crazy, major. crazy, yeah. yeah. Oregon, um, Washington State. Uh, the, Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, and, of course, the southern states, because they're warmer, yep. have just... Uh, a, a, Exploded with... Yeah, yeah, just a real issue. I know in Wisconsin, um, you know, I moved to Wausau couple decades ago from Milwaukee and I went back to Milwaukee to I think I was picking up someone at the airport and I was just shocked by yeah. all the tents under the under overpasses and stuff that just weren't there when I lived there and so it was just um I, Racine I know has uh the homeless or the tiny home village for the vets uh Green Bay's got an issue I you know any major city that's got some servicing right is going to have a lot of issues it's like it's astonishing like when i was an emt i serviced milwaukee and madison and you know madison was a lot more just like we didn't have to do crazy stuff but like we were one of the primary carriers in milwaukee and it is crazy like the amount of like poverty that you see and we weren't even working we were working with some like you know unhomed people but a lot of it was like homes that were just six families in a two bedroom, you know, yeah. something like that. And there's just like low sanitary conditions and, you know, that's not for everybody, but it was just like you, you kind of get peek behind that curtain more than right. anything. And you're like, wow, you know, it is, it's one of those things that we were kind of talking about Craig, like you, is it just, we don't see it. Is it that something, you know, I and think, then well, you we, were, yeah, we live, I mean, I didn't cut you out, but yeah. I think we live in a society sometimes where we have blinders on because right. there's so much stuff going on that if it's not directly impacting me as a person, yeah. I'm blind to what's actually going on outside of my peripheral. Right. I think that's just kind of the times we yeah. live in. Sure. Yes. And you mentioned, Sandy, that the last count was zero. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, like, how do you, how do you, like, well, where's the problem? Yeah. The problem was zero. You can't make a problem if there's no problem. Right. What are right. these organizations need all this money for? Right. Zero yeah. homeless folks. We, yeah. They don't need all this money. Why does that get undercounted? Well, you know, I, I'll tell you, I think a lot of our clients, will hide during the counts. They they don't want to be sure. bothered. They don't you know that they, they don't want it to be discovered where they're sleeping and they don't want to be bothered. And so and That's, then there's never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. And then I think the process um, is, you know, they'll go up and say, Do you have a place to sleep tonight? And they'll say yes. Right. And they're not counted. So um, and we, we were we're seeing a, an influx of people living in their cars. 
And so they, they're not counted either. So really? Yeah. Is that like something that obviously like if, so if, if I'm taking the survey, I'm like, yep, you live in a car. You're like home. You're, you have a home yeah. like that. Really? Okay. Uh, and no one at the shelter is counted either because it's at nighttime. So anyone that's sleeping at the shelter does not get counted as being homeless. Are you, are you able to divulge who, who usually is the one who does these counts? I mean, not the individual, but like the organization that does these counts. Um, you know, I actually slip in my mind at the moment. Oh, that's okay. Um, that's okay. But yeah, it's, I mean, and, and they, they, yeah, the they, reason they, why they do it is great. It's just that it just seems unrealistic. Well, it's it's yeah, the numbers. Last yeah. year I think it was 17. Uh which and you, you know, know that's not I, the case. I can go downtown and point out 17 and probably four blocks. Oh, right. you know? so. Well, it's like if you if there was a cop and there was a cop said, "Hey Craig, you done anything illegal today?" Yeah. And you're like, if "You're yeah. speeding." You're like, "No, I have not." Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like it's just that right. authority thing. It's yeah. like, "Well, I'm doing something I know that I could get in trouble for. Why would I divulge it? Nope. Yeah. Nothing to see here. Keep moving. Keep moving. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah. It, I mean, and it's frustrating because people do, will will take that number. And those of us that are in organizations and understand the count know that that's not an accurate number. Yeah. So, yeah. So Sandy, this seems like this is a, this is a life, lifelong like you're on a lifelong mission that you're very passionate about, which I totally commend you. And we talked about the, the tiny home village um, houses that you're, that's kind of what you're really focusing on right now. Um, what is, what is your long, so that's, that's a goal. Is that your long-term goal? What is, what is your long-term goal? You personally, like you're, you're one of the original founders that's still, still doing this. Um, what, what is, what would you like to see? Like, what would be like a five-year goal or a 10-year goal for you to see? So, you know, when, it, when we get the tiny home village up and, and, and this pretty, is, this you're is pretty just, sure that's going to happen. Are you, I'm going to make it happen. There you I, go. I like not, that. Not just, I, I, I like that. Gene's yeah. going to make it happen. Um, our board of directors the, is going to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to make, make it happen. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I mean, every I like time that. we hit obstacles and one of us is like, I oh, what this is never going to happen. Then the rest of us are like, yes, it is going to happen. <laughs> so uh, we will make it happen. But once that's up and running, I and I and I said to our mayor when we had a meeting that it's I truly, truly believe with all my heart that we can eliminate chronic homelessness. It, homelessness in, in Wausau will be short term because people will get into a house immediately get the services, and then be able to go on to independent living. That we're not going to have people that have been on the streets for a year and then falling into the addiction, and then a year turns into five years to ten years. And those who are currently chronically homeless, they may be long-term residents at the tiny home village, and they may never leave, but they'll be housed, and they'll be warm and fed and safe and build their self-worth back up. Absolutely. And so for that population, that is my long-term goal. Um, But my other passion, because I have two adult disabled sons, and one of my sons lives in one of the low-income housing for uh, the disabled and elderly. And what we see, um, and my son Hunter, quick little plug, has a blog, and he talks about um, life as a disabled person. And so what we have seen, because I'm there all the time, um, is just a population of people that are forgotten. You know, they sit in the lobby of the building all day, 
every day. No visitors. They're just forgotten. And it was our goal with the center was to get them out of the apartment building when when our center turns from a day center to a true community center to get them out, to get them connected in the community again, to give them some self-worth and some socialization and just some joy back in their life. And I think, you know, for my community, we can do that. Um, and it's just a matter of matching people who can help with people who need help. Yeah. That's like, well, that's elegantly put. Yeah. So what is your ETA on the, the day center? Well, <laughs> with uh, grants and fundraising, if it all goes in our way, our goal is uh, by fall. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Because we, Before the weather starts to turn yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. This, this last winter, I don't know if it's COVID or um, just the population that we've worked with have been on the streets for so long. They're just really really tired this last winter was really hard on them sure so um and our library um finally reopened um last year was really difficult because there was no place to go our mall is torn down uh the library closed for a while now the library's re reopened um so they do have a place to to sit and be warm um but that's not really the library's job right. to do totally. that either, yeah. you right. know, and, and they're awesome about it. They're the, the staff there is very compassionate, but, and it, again, it's, they're just sitting there. And so with the center, we'll be able to motivate them to do more. Are you, are you feeling that you're getting a lot of um, community support that's not necessarily on your team? Uh, that's, that's really um, in favor of this getting opened up because they yes. do realize that this is going to be a, a, a great place for them to, to go to start rebuilding their life. Yeah. You know, I recently attended a meeting. Um, it was like a neighborhood meeting for the downtown businesses. And with the only topic being the homeless, um, because it, it's been an issue. And I was expecting a lot of negativity and what I found was just tons of compassion that the, the business owners didn't want to just get them out of downtown. They wanted them to be warm and safe and housed and fed. And so we've gotten a lot of support from businesses. We've gotten a lot of support from some of our city council members um, because it is needed. Right. So I think I think of a, a conference I went to in Minneapolis in college. And, you know, they have all those downtown have the sky bridges back and forth. But, you know, you just you just see all these people getting kicked out into like, you know, Wisconsin is not a friendly place in the winter. We all know that. Um, and just like Minnesota, same thing, you know, watching these people get kicked out. And it's like hard because you're like, yeah. you know, what do you do? Like, you're just going to sit there and freeze. Um, and they do it. And it's crazy because I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just think of like you doing this realizing it's a problem, problem solution. I'm a big guy who, you know, you find a problem, let's come up with a solution. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then before you're like, you know, because I'm sure there's different stages of this that when it gets larger and larger and larger, it's a lot harder and harder and harder to do this or then you need more of this and then you need to, you know what I mean? Like I'm sure the California strategy, like, you know, or other strategies, and their strategy is probably different because they have, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of more people. Right. 
Whereas like if you would have been like, you can nip it, you know, in the bud or like, you know, not like in that negative connotation, but like try to have that solution presented before it, you know, it snowballs, then you can have, you don't need as much resources. Right. You can have less of a community effect. You have less negativity. You know, I'm sure that like by doing this and starting it at this level, it doesn't require so much. Right. um, Back figuring. And those tiny home villages save I mean, the upfront cost is there, but in the end, they save money for communities because EMS is not being called, the police aren't being stressed, and the cleanup of parks and that kind of thing, that you don't have a whole lot of of those expenses. And then they found that with communities, especially Utah, found that they saved a lot of money taxpayer dollar money yeah i never thought about that so when you go through and you have these meetings and you're like hey here are the benefits you know cleaner parks you know less tax like stress on your ems your police like that, those three things are huge yeah. right people are like oh yeah i didn't think of that i know yeah i didn't think of that do you get a lot of that i you know <laughs> the the neighborhood meeting we did we were never able to get to that point Oh, sure. <laughs> so it was a pretty hostile meeting. However, we did have a meeting with some of the foundations in town, and yeah, they they definitely were on board with us. So, well, I can say as a business owner here in the downtown of Stevens Point, I am totally in favor of trying to do whatever we can to help folks out yeah. uh, for all the reasons that you've brought up uh, t- tonight, Sandy. And um, I, you know, bottom line is when it comes down to it, it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. And again, I'm a big believer in, you know, showing folks a little bit of compassion and care goes a long way. And and, and Jared, you'd mentioned it too. Like we just don't live uh, here in the Wisconsin, the Midwest, where it's California weather, 365. It gets to be pretty darn harsh. And yeah. when you had mentioned, you know, it was just really rough on them this winter. I, I have a, a roof over my head and I thought it was a, a rough, rough winter. From my point of view, I can't imagine not having a place to shelter. Yes. Um so I think you're doing wonderful things, um, and i very honored that you wanted to come on uh, our podcast and share share what your story and, and what you've done and, and, and what you're continuing to do and all the great people that are part of the organization that are, to me, are, are really making a difference in your community. And I I really challenge, I used to live in Wausau in the city, oh, okay. city area myself. What I would say is I would challenge people to uh, take the blinders off once in a while and be open to to certain things, you know, like yes. we, we certainly, in my opinion, live in the greatest country in the world and we have, uh, unlimited opportunities if we so choose to do so, but you gotta be willing to take advantage of those and take the blinders off once in a while and be, yeah. want to be a positive member of your community. And you're not going to be a positive member of the community for constantly fighting, helping right. people out and change that we're trying to change for the better. Right. Right. So thank you. Thank you very yeah. much for for sharing the story and all the positive things you're doing. If well, there's, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And if there's anything that we can do, I don't know if there's, if you, do you have some uh, website? I know you guys are said you're working on a website. We're is working there, on a website. There's somewhere, should be up. somewhere um, that folks you could share with us that folks could go if they want to help or donate. Um, you know, if you just go on um, Facebook and look up community outreach task force, um, then that will take you to our public page. And if you just send a message to us through there, we can direct you to the private page, which is our donor page. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. It's, I love to see, I love to hear and like see people doing this in our community. Right. You know, and I, and I mean community broadly, I mean, that's still central Wisconsin, you know, and you know, but 
you see a need and you fill the need. Yeah. And I think that's what you've been saying. You've been doing for a really long time. And that's. She's walking the walk. She's not talking talking the talk. She's 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 doing both. She's not just talking the talk. She's walking the walk. And that's, uh, that says a lot because sometimes um, it's people will say certain things, but don't action on it. So you certainly are. So should be proud of yourself. Hopefully you're proud of yourself. You should be. I am. I am. I know that you got a a lot of things that you still have in the works here. I know your mission is not done by a long shot, but I think sometimes the people that work hard and create things don't get, um, don't get told that enough that they're very appreciative. Um, and just telling your story, I'm very appreciative. I know Jerry, you feel the same way. We're very appreciative of what you're doing. And again, I agree with you. You know, it's, even though we're here in Stevens point and you're in Wausau, it's still central Wisconsin. Yes. Those folks I'm sure have at one point maybe come through here. I know we have, we have folks in our community that need help as well. And there's hope knowing that there's organizations like yours out there that are helping them. And actually um, a couple months ago, we helped a lady in Portage County um, in Stevens point, I believe um, who had to choose between fixing her car and paying her rent. And Mm. then she needed her car to work to To make money for rent. rent, But then in this, this time where again, landlords are evicting more frequently, um, we were able to cover her rent so that she could keep her housing. So like I said, we, we don't limit it to Marathon County. Most of our referrals come from Marathon County, but we, um, in fact, on our Facebook page, have dropped the Marathon County so that people would there you go. Uh, reach yeah. out for help Excellent. outside of the county. Is there is there anything else uh, before we wrap up, uh, Sandy, that you want to share with us? or um, Just be kind. Yeah. Mm. It's that simple. Very be nice. kind. It's yeah. a great way of saying it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Sandy, thank you for joining us today on the CJ Falls podcast. It's amazing, your story, and I hope, you know, we – people will lighten up and, and come, come to your page and, you know, maybe you can make more people who are going to be building into your team and sewing into the community and, uh, you know, making central Wisconsin better for all of us. So thank you. Thank and, you. And, uh, we'll sign off. See you next time. See ya.